Bibles. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. I don't know if it's Louise that said it this Sunday or if it was Helen that said it to me Sunday. I think it was Helen. She said she made the comment um, at uh, the barn eating lunch uh, on Sunday. Uh, how much they enjoyed our service and how much they enjoyed, you know, seeing Mike uh, get ordained as, as a deacon. Um, but a comment was made of um, how much we used Scripture. Did you catch that comment? How much we used Scripture. And I was like, I hardly used Scripture compared to all the other times I said I had to uh, knock out a lot because of time restraints on Sunday, you know. Yeah, we did exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in fact, one 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 of the comments was they appreciated of how we use Scripture, reminding everyone of of what a deacon is and the duties of a deacon, um, and uh, so that was. Uh, that was encouraging to me that we're that we're focusing on God's word. All right, we're Revelation chapter nineteen. We're going to look at verses one through ten. So we are now entering uh, a new phase of the book of Revelation. We're calling it the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which is that is exactly what it is. But now we're getting to a new phase of where we are looking at the triumphant, victorious return. And then we're going to also begin looking at tonight at the, the Great Supper of the Lamb. So this return here that we're looking at, at the Great Supper of the Lamb, it is the only time, or oh, I'm sorry, not the only time, it will be the first time of many times in eternity that all of the believers, every believer, from the beginning until the end. We'll be together all at one moment. And I've heard, I've heard jokes made. You know, as we've been going through Revelation, you know, we've been, we, looked, we, you know, we started off looking at the seven churches, and then we, uh, we got into all the, all the, the punishments and the judgments and, and all of those things. And when you, when you really... You know, you're in this, and you're studying it, and you're going through all the way from chapter 1 to the end of chapter 18, and I think I should get a pat on the back because I'm not reviewing anything tonight. But uh, uh, I wanted to make, not yet, yeah, well, no, there's, I'm looking at my notes, there's no reviewing, okay? Are you happy now? All right, good. Um, you know, it, it can get a little distressing. If, 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 if that's all you know about the book of Revelation, it can got, kind of get a little distressing. It can kind of get a little, a little wow, okay? Uh, you can kind of put yourself in John's shoes. John is seeing all of this in a vision, and I think he's probably starting to think, okay, is this ever going to end? Well, the good thing, it, it does end. It ends. And it ends with the triumphant return of Christ. So chapter 19, all the way through the end, through the rest of the book of Revelation, 
is discussing the triumphant return of Christ. And tonight we're going to be looking at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb as well. So this great supper of the Lamb, and, and I started to go into this. I've heard preachers make jokes about the great supper of the Lamb. They're saying, I want my favorite food there. You know, make sure, you know, let's look at the menu, and there's going to be fried chicken. There's going to be, you know, uh, that is not what this is. To me, that's, that's disrespecting. It is. It, it's, what's that? Yes. Okay. This is not about fulfilling our appetites. That's not what it is about at all. So as we look at it tonight, step by step tonight, we'll look and see what is, what is that great supper of the Lamb? What, 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 really, what, what is it really? And I think just, just these verses that we're looking at tonight doesn't even really touch the tip of the iceberg. I think it's going to be so grand and glorious that and I think there's only just a very brief reference here to it. Because our minds just can't handle it. Just like Paul said that, I, I know of a man that went to the third heaven and he heard things that are unspeakable. And that if I was to try to tell you that, you can't handle it. So I think that's why it is mentioned very briefly here. And that is because we just, our minds can't handle it. Our minds cannot, cannot even begin to handle the brilliance of what will occur at the Great Supper of the Lamb. So this will be the first time that every believer will be all together at one time. And what is that focus? The focus is to worship Christ as the victorious Savior. So let's look at verses 1 through 6 tonight. And we're going to look, first of all, at the triumphant return and the marriage supper begins with a glorious praise. It begins with a glorious praise. Now, I want you to note here, we're going to, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and I want you to note that there is a word that is repeated. Okay, if you know anything about studying Scripture, uh, many times you look for key phrases or key words. And there is a key word in going from verses 1 through 6. So it says, After these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Okay, there it is. That's it. That's the key word. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood, the blood of his bondservants on her. Again, a second time they said, there's that word again, hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, amen. There we have it again, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne, seven, give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and the, like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder, saying, there you have it again, hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. So, 
I want you to note here that word, hallelujah. The word hallelujah simply means this, praise to the Lord. Okay, there's no, there's no long definition to it. In fact, the Greek word just is hallelujah. So hallelujah, praise to the Lord. So I want us to look at verse 1. Verse 1 gives, it will be a praise, a praise of hallelujah, first of all, because of salvation. Because of salvation. Okay? So let's look at that first hallelujah in verse 1 and note the first word after that. It is what? Salvation. So it is a praise of salvation. That word salvation in the original Greek is tosoteria, which means a deliverance, a preservation, safety, salvation. Okay, now, let's, let's kind of take a little bit of a rap, rabbit trail here just for a second. If that word salvation has a definition of deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. If it means that, then how can one lose or forfeit their salvation? You can't. There's no way. Because salvation is not temporary. Preservation is preservation. It is preserved for all of eternity. So what about salvation? What about it? Well, first thing is this. It belongs to God. It belongs to Him. It comes from Him. And since it belongs to him, it comes from him. And 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So salvation belongs to God. Next thing is this, his glory belongs to God. His glory. Okay, so it says hallelujah for salvation. Secondly, His glory, His glory, it belongs to God. In Romans chapter 15, verse 6, so that with one purpose and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do we glorify God with our bodies? How do we glorify Him? How do we glorify Him with our thoughts and our speech, our actions, our attitudes, and our motives? I love it when I, when I, uh, Morgan was, Morgan was just habitually doing this. 
and especially with students when they come in, you know, maybe something happened in the hallway or they had another class at the teacher and they, they come in all grumpy and everything and I'll say, hey, what, what's with the attitude? I don't have an attitude. Well, yeah, you do. Morgan, Morgan cop that all the time. I don't have an attitude, Dad. Yeah, you do. It's not a good one. You either have a good attitude or a bad attitude, right? Okay, you can't just not have an attitude. So how do we please God with our thoughts? You know what's the first area of attack that Satan uses on a believer? Is the mind, the thoughts. Speech, actions, attitude, and motives. How do we glorify those things? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20 explains it. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Because when you become a believer, where does the Holy Spirit go? To your body, your spiritual body, your soul, your spirit. So then what does that make your body? It becomes a temple. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You have been bought by a price. For you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Next thing is this. Honor belongs to God. Honor. What does it mean to honor someone? Honor something. It means to give respect. It means to give the respect that, that, that it is due. Okay? As much as I don't agree with or, or, or I disagree with, with Joe Biden, uh, I would still treat him with the utmost respect. I would not turn my back on him. Uh, if, a, if a senator was to walk in here, a congressperson was to walk in here, I would still treat them with respect because, or a judge, okay? I would not treat them with any kind of respect, especially if I, got, if I needed a, a speeding ticket taken care of. I'm going to treat them with the utmost respect. Or I'm going to get Kim to get a lawyer for me and take care of it for me, okay? But I'm going to treat them with the utmost respect. Why? Because they have earned that, Right? They've earned it. God hasn't, he hasn't earned anything. But yet, that's what it means by a fear of God. It means that we are supposed to have a holy reference and a holy fear of him. We are to honor him, exalt the Lord. Psalm 34, 3, exalt the Lord with me. Exalt means to honor and let's exalt or honor his name together. And then there's the next thing, and that is power. So hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to God. Power. That word power is the Greek word dynamos, which we get the word dynamite from. Power belongs to God. First Chronicles 29, 12, both riches and honor Come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. 
So not only it will be a praise of salvation, secondly, it will be a praise of victory. So let's look at verses 2 and 3. Be a praise of victory. Okay, because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged a great harlot who has corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. So it will be a praise of victory. Now, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2. So keep your finger there in Revelation 19. But let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll look at verses 9 through 11. Oh, by the way, Keith, I don't know if y'all heard or not, Keith was not able to have his chemo this week. His, his blood count was not up. Just now remember that. Okay, begin with verse 9. So 9, 10, and 11. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? So there will come a day where every tongue. Believers and unbelievers alike will all proclaim Christ as Lord. Every tongue, every mouth will proclaim Christ as Lord. So it is a praise of victory. The next thing is this. In verse 4, it will be a praise of worship. It will be a praise of worship. Now, remember those 24 elders that we talked about way, way back when? Okay, the 12 apostles, and then the, the, the representatives of the 12 tribes, the 24 elders, and then the four living creatures. What did they do? They fell down and worshipped. They fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne and saying, Amen. Hallelujah. So it will be a praise of worship. And I don't think, Pastor Ken, that there's going to be any smoke machines or uh, uh, a band. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just now got that. That's good. No pun intended, right? Yeah. But it will be a praise of worship. And then let's look at verses 5 and 6. And then I'm going to read to you from Daniel chapter 7. It will be a praise of God's omnipotent rule. Verse 5, a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bond servants. I think in the, the Legacy Bible it has it more accurately translated as slave. You who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of mighty waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, 
for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. So it will be a praise of God's omnipotent rule. You know, Daniel talked about that. Did you have... It very well could be. I haven't thought about that, but it could be. Yes, it very well could be. Yes, it will be. Because I had not thought about that, but you're right. It very well could be. I don't know why I'm so thirsty tonight. I've been drinking water all day. Now, Daniel talked about God's omnipotent rule back in chapter 7, verse 14. I want to read it to you. It says, And to him was given dominion, honor, and kingdom, so that all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So there we have, first of all, we've got the... Um, uh, the, the fourfold hallelujah is mentioned four times here. And if you have many different study Bibles, it has it that um, uh, the fourfold hallelujahs. But it is a praise of salvation, praise of, of victory, praise of worship, praise of honor, and a praise of omnipotent rule. So now let's go to verse 7. And let's now look at the triumphant return and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Beginning with verse 7. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Okay, so we see the triumphant return and the marriage supper will have a bride. Oh, that's, that's number. But uh, first of all, let's look at verse 7, then we'll get into point 3. So who is getting all of the attention in verse 7? Okay, now let's, let's think here just for a moment. Who gets all the attention at the wedding? The bride does. The groom just happens to be there. I mean, he walks in, walks in with the best man and the preacher, and they kind of stand here. Nobody stands up when he walks in. Okay, yeah, I mean, no, nobody, nobody. Okay, that's the dude just getting married. Okay, all right, good-looking fella. Hope he knows what he's getting into. Okay, he just kind of stands there, and but then, you know, when the doors open up, what does everybody do? Everybody stands, everybody gawks, everybody, wow, what a beautiful bride. Music, you know, I mean, it is an event when the bride walks in. Okay, poor groom, nobody cares. Okay, but the bride walks in, everybody is just, you know, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, every time I do a wedding, I cry when the bride walks in. It, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I, could not, I may not even know this, this woman, but every time, I, I guess I just feel sorry for the dad because he's going to have to give her away, you know. But, uh, but all of the attention here is not on the bride or the groom. All the attention is on the Lamb. Because let's look at it once again. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. Christ, the Lamb, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. 
But all the glory is not going to the bride. It is going to the Lamb. Now let's go, let's, now let's go to the third point. And that is the triumphal return and the marriage supper will have a bride. Who is the bride? The bride is the church. So let's look at 7. We already read 7. Now let's go to verse 8. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Okay? What, 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 what is one of the major steps that the bride does before, months before, the, what is really the first step? Buying the what? The dress. Here, the church is well adorned. Because let's look at it once again. It says that the, that the bride is clothed in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So, verses, the latter part of verse 7, where it says the bride has made herself ready, and then going into verse 8, we see the preparation of the bride. The preparation. There is a preparation stage for the bride. And it is threefold. It's just not being saved. Yes, you're a part of the, of the bride when you become a believer, but it goes deeper than that. Now, don't misunderstand me here. It is not, it, it is not a basing itself on a work salvation. The, but the preparation is works. I think you'll understand what I mean here when we go into this, in, in explaining this. So, what is the preparation? The first step of being prepared is you receive the Lamb as Lord and Savior. What is that? That's salvation. That is acknowledging Christ as Lord. That is repenting from sin. Turning to belief in Christ. Receiving the Lamb as Lord and Savior. Secondly, by following the Lamb as Lord and Savior. You have to follow the Lamb. Okay, you can say you're a believer, okay, but are you following the Lamb? Are you living up to the standard? Are you following? Being a good follower. You're not in or out. You're following. And then thirdly, by obeying the Lamb as Lord and Savior. By obedience. Okay? Well, once again, let's look at the preparation that is outlined in verse 8. Okay? is given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. Okay, so when you become a believer, what happens to your sins? They're done away with. They're washed away by the blood of Christ. Okay, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. But then it goes on to say, For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now, I want us to go to first, uh, see, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
And Paul outlines this perfectly. It's verses 11 through 15. Now, Martin Luther, he did not, he did not like the book of James. He called it the straw of the New Testament. Now, he did not say that it is not part of Scripture. He just didn't like it. And when you understand his reasoning, okay, of why, you kind of have to give him a bite. Because what does James stress a lot in the book of James? Works. What did Martin Luther come out of? Works. So he had a hard time accepting that. And once again, he said, it's, it's a part of Scripture, but I have a hard time dealing with it. Okay, yeah. I have a hard time dealing with it. But now, the Apostle Paul stressed it here, the importance of works. James said that you can say you have faith, and that's good, but the devils believe and they tremble. You know that there is not a demon that is an atheist? They, they believe. They have a strong belief. But James went on to say that you can have faith and that's good, but I will prove my faith by my what? By my works. So really he, he is... Paul had, had, had laid the foundation here for James to write that. Because it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and beginning of verse 11, For no man can lay, a foundation, uh, 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 can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it, it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Okay, that is our righteous acts. They will be tested with fire. If our motives are all about us, if our motives were all about, okay, remember what Christ said where he said that, uh, uh, that uh, your, your right hand should not even know what your left hand does? That you should be so inconspicuous in your work for the Lord that nobody knows what, that you're doing it. Okay, it's like I, I told a lady one time, she, this is when I was working at Berea, and she walked by my office, and she said, you wouldn't believe how many I had on, this is back when Berea was still running buses. She said, you wouldn't believe how many I had on my bus yesterday. I had so-and-so, so many on my bus yesterday. I said, well, did your bus have the biggest of any of the other buses? She said, yeah, we had the most of any bu other buses. I said, 
Well, I hate to be the one to, to, to burst your bubble here, but your bus was the only one that went out yesterday. <laughs> and secondly, you just got your reward. You just got it. You probably know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> she went stomping off. You know who I'm talking about. She went stomping off and, you know. But we have, we have, that's where we have to be so, so careful. And that is that we, uh, that we don't do what we are doing for praise. If we're doing it for praise, we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. We need to be doing our work so that the Lord will see it and the Lord will give us praise. He may not give us, he may not give us our rewards here on earth, we'll get it one day. And I think we'll be very, very surprised of who gives rewards and who doesn't. So we have to receive the Lamb as Savior, follow the Lamb, and obey the Lamb. Our obedience proves our love, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then there's lastly, number four. The triumphal return of the marriage supper will be a glorious event. So let's go back to our text. Verses 9 and 10, it will be a glorious event. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Just want to give you a couple of things here about how glorious it will be. And once again, there's absolutely no way that our minds can even begin to comprehend of how glorious an event this will be. Firstly, it'll be a, a glorious event because it will be the greatest event of all of history. You know, think of all, all the, uh, the great celebrations that have occurred throughout all of world history. I think of the celebrations in the 20th century after World War I ended and after World War II ended and, uh, and other wars and celebrations of elections and all the celebrations and the, or, and the, uh, the, the coronations and everything that, is, that has occurred throughout all of world history. That's going to pale in comparison to what's going to occur here. And then secondly... It'll be glorious because simply, who is being worshipped. That's, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate thing that will occur. And that is because Christ will be worshipped above all. All right, any questions, comments? We're, we're done a little bit early. That, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. This is the culmination of history. Yeah, this is the culmination. Yep, exactly. Yep. Anything else? I need to see Pastor Ken uh, for just a, a moment. And Scott, Tom, Diana, real quick. All right. You're all set for Sunday, right? All set? Everything's in order? Okay, good. And Yeah, Scott, you're staying, right? Okay, all right. Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, that on that wonderful day of the Great Supper, that Christ will be worshipped. Father, help us to keep that in mind when it comes to what we do, that we, 
for our motives, to check our motives at the door, to make sure that our motives are clean and pure, and that they have your glory in mind. Dismiss us for thy blessing. Be with those that are not able to be here tonight because of illness or sickness or maybe just fatigue from uh, the past uh, busyness of, of life. And I pray now that you would be with them. Father, we love you. May we be prepared for this upcoming Sunday for our hearts to be touched. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great rest of the week.